Welcome back, guys. It's been a minute. Welcome back to Jack Howard Colour, the podcast. Today's guest I'm really excited to have on board. I've been following her for a while now, and she's a dynamite, if ever there is one. So, Gina Sicard, welcome. I am Bianca. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's absolute joy. I'm glad that I'm back with somebody super strong and really doing things. But for those of you who don't know her, I've got this long list to tell you of some of her achievements. So she's the director of hair color education for Rusk, right, which is brilliant. So we can talk color here. Um, an international educator, which I love that. So there's lots of stories of travel and things. A top earning salon owner. And I think this is going to be a great conversation to have for us as we're in this moment where money is tight and ways in which we can work smarter and faster. You're a business life coach, which I love. Um, you're known, right? This is this one makes me giggle for your honest, blunt, and comedic approach to education and empowerment. And I really enjoy watching the way in which you do that because it feels real to me. And then you own the Network Salon, which I'm hoping to come to. And you also own Network Yoga, which really ties into some of the stuff that I'm doing at the moment. So my goodness, that's huge, right? Yes, I wear a lot of hats. I do a lot of things. So it keeps me really busy. But, um, you know, it's definitely been a journey to get here. And I'm super grateful for it because I don't I like to I like to stay busy and I like to always be evolving. And sometimes when I get an idea and like, you know, they say, if you see it, you can do it. There's some things that have just stuck with me, like like dreams that I've had. And it's really cool to see them come to fruition. So I love it. I like to stay busy too. Um, and I think that juggling sometimes can get a little bit overwhelming. And, and that's one of the things that you learn as you're older how to manage. And I like the, how you pulled the yoga into it because I found yoga to be something that kind of calmed me down um, and made me a better person in, in many ways in what I do and deliver. But Gina, how long have you been hairdressing? Um, I've been a hairdresser since 2009. I went to beauty school in 09. And as soon as I finished beauty school, I started working in a salon. I actually worked in a few different salons until I found a good fit. And then after a few years of that, I started working in my mom's kitchen, building my own brand and my own business. And then I moved into booth rental and then opened an employee-based salon. So in the first five years of doing hair, I really like had a lot of change and a lot of growing pains. I actually like stopped doing hair and went back to school at one point. And we talk about it. Um, we say it's like this weird hairdresser thing. Like a lot of us in the first five years give up for a minute and then realize we're crazy to give up and we go back. So I had a lot go on in the first five years, but I've been doing it since 09. So I think it's like 13 years, 14 years. What? So relatively uh, a decent amount of time, but not super long term. So there's a huge future in there for you as well. There's lots, lots for you to do. How, how did you get into it? So you, you went to beauty school. What made you decide that you wanted to do that? So I went to beauty school. I had a really interesting senior project when I was in high school. Like I was a C student. I skipped class all the time. Um, I was really like not engaged in school uh, until, you know, I was always distracted with other things. I liked to party. I liked boys. I liked to, you know, just get in trouble. So when I was in high school, I realized very quickly that like if I wanted to go to college, I did not have options. I didn't have any options. My grade point average did not get me in anywhere. And I wasn't the type to, you know, even focus on an application. Uh, so it came to the point where all my like students that I was with, uh, what are they called? All, all my colleagues or whatever were getting into college and they were making their plans. And then I looked at like all of these applications and I was like, I think I'm too late. 
I was like, I think I like missed the boat. So I just kept working. So when I was in high school, I had like three or four jobs all the time. I loved making money. Um, I was obsessed with making money. I loved the freedom uh, that I yes. had when I had money. So I was working, working, working. And, you know, when I got out of high school, my mom was like, well, I had a really cool project in high school. It was like, you had to create your own business. It was in a marketing class I was taking and I created this business and I'm sure it exists somewhere, but I created this business in 2009 and it was called on paper, right? It was called beauty and the beast. And it was half tattoo shop, half salon. And you would walk in and there would be like this Kat Von D chick on this side and like this beautiful like Barbie chick with long extensions on this side. And you can go either way and you can go get a tattoo or get your hair done. And I spent so much time on this. Like, (laughs) sorry, just, I want to slow you down, right? Because that, that, that to me is really interesting because now in 2022 going into 2023, this whole kind of collaboration, people working together, it's commonplace But back in 2009, it certainly wasn't at all. You just didn't see that going on. Where did that come from? I don't know. I just really loved tattoos. Like I had my first tattoo when I was 14. I have a lot of tattoos. Um, The first one I do regret, but it's fine. It is what it is. (laughs) No regrets, right? But I feel like I really love tattoos. And then I was also the type of person in high school where every time something happened or I needed a change, I would always change my hair. So I would come in with like really short, like Victoria Beckham haircut one day. And then a couple months later, I would dye my hair red. And then a couple months later, I would do extensions. I would go like to downtown Waterbury and get like extensions sewn into my head. And I always had different hair. I was known for my hair. So like when it came to like what kind of business, it was hair. Right. Creating characters with the way in which you look, right? I love playing around with how I dress and my hair and the the images and the people that I can portray in that and all different parts of my character. That's cool. One of the things I thought was really interesting in that was talking about the fact that you didn't connect in high school, yet you were obviously bright, like a lot of us in the industry. School didn't speak to us, really. We, I certainly was never there. Um, all those years ago, I sort of disappeared all the time. I wasn't there in person or I just wasn't there in mind. Um, there was nothing in it that really fascinated me yet. We've gone on to develop great businesses. It's such a shame, isn't it? Yeah. You know, I feel like some people just don't fit into that, like that structure of Mm. society. I just feel like even when I have kids, like I just can't see shoving them in a classroom for eight hours a day. I, I, I just don't know. I just didn't. I did, and I also had a thing with being told what to do, and I always had a thing of wasting my time. Like I didn't feel like a geometry class was going to. I, I didn't feel like I was going to use that. Like then, you know, with haircutting, it is geometry. But you know, I didn't feel at that time that this was going to benefit me because it didn't interest me. But when I did mm-hmm. my business and marketing classes, like that marketing class that gave me that project, I spent more time on that than anything. It was something I was like the most excited about. And I feel like that got me really engaged. And if more of my education was like that, I probably would have done excellent in school. I think that's it's about engaging the student, isn't it? That it, not everyone learns the same way. And to make it exciting somebody said the other day that they wished all that all that mathematics but if they taught you how to do a tax return it would have been a huge benefit right Um, Mm, I don't know if I don't know if we would have cared 
I don't know if we would have cared, honestly. I just think anything that could draw out the creativity and to like help you connect with yourself and like what you want to create. I feel like if you, a good teacher will take something and connect it to you. Yeah. Uh, that's like, what's really important because when it's about me, I'm interested, right? It's, it's all of us. It's like the human condition. Like if it's about me, I'll be interested. So I feel like any teacher that can connect something back to the student is going to have a way bigger impact. Mm. Absolutely. But I think I I do think that a lot of it is done in such a traditional way that there is no appeal in it at all. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you finished school, you've got a ton of jobs. Um, you're obviously not going to college at that point, or you didn't think you were. And so hairdressing had been something that you liked, that's something that you enjoyed messing around with already. Um, so you went to school. You went to Yeah, school. it was actually my mom. My mom told me I couldn't live at home and not be in school of some kind. Um, she, my mom is a huge, um, a huge reason why I am the way that I am and why I am where I am today, because my mom was like, you're not going to live here and just work and party. Cause I was just working. And then I, I, I was just out every night, you know, I wasn't doing anything productive. There's nothing happening going forward. I was just making money and I didn't have any like clear path of what I wanted to do. And there was a little while that I wanted to go to the Fakir School of Body Piercing. I don't even know if it's still around, but I had like this dream of being a body piercer. And I actually p- did body piercing illegally in cars, in the mall. I did like all kinds of like crazy stuff. And I was really into like body modification. And at this time, like that was just what interested me because I thought it was cool. And uh, my mom, I love to cook also. Like I love cooking. Like one of my biggest passions is cooking for groups of people. Like I love to have like 10 people over and cook and do events. So it's interesting because when you look back at everything that you've wanted to do or thought you wanted to do when you were younger and you look at what you do today, usually there's a mixture of everything. Mm. It's really interesting. And I think it's cool to like kind of do an exercise like that. If you don't know what you want to do, think of what you wanted to be when you were young and try to find ways to kind of combine it all. Because the younger you are, the more like close to yourself you are, I feel. Uh, So I ended up telling my mom, I want to go to culinary school. And I wanted to go to the Fakir school of body piercing, but it just didn't work out. I don't know if like, I don't know why it didn't, but it just didn't. So I went, she was like, you should go. And then my hairstylist, Caitlin, who actually works with me colored by Caitlin, I would go get my hair. I would go get my hair done by her at Jewel salon in Watertown where I lived. And Caitlin was so like mesmerizing. She was so professional. She looked so good. She was really good at doing hair. And it was like my favorite part of my life to like go get my hair done with her. And she always talked about the school that she went to. And I ended up, uh, my mom went and saw her too. And my mom's like, we're going to the school and you're going to take a tour. And I was like, fine. So I went, I took a tour. And for the first time I started to really see like, I could do that. I'm interested in that. Like that could be me. I felt like it was realistic for me. You know, I would love to be a plastic surgeon. That's something that I've always wanted to do. But like the thought of 12 years in school, like I just, it's not realistic for me. I wouldn't be interested. You know, I Mm -hmm. would lose interest really quickly. So I took the tour and I signed up for the August class that was starting right after high school. So I started school like at 17. Right. And beauty school where you are, is that 18 months, 15 months? It was a year. I did full-time nine to five, Tuesday through Saturday. Right. Did it in a year. Nice. Nice to get that 
that kind of piece over with. And so you you walk out of there, and I, I think that your mom was brilliant, right? Because she really did help shape you a little bit, where you seemed not confused, but the no direction in it. And she helped hone that for you. Um, and you yeah. acknowledge that in there too, which is great. Um, so out of beauty school, obviously, I can imagine that you came out and super strong, super confident about it. What did you do with that qualification? Where did you go? So I went to work for the jewels for the salon that I used to assist at and she wasn't hiring. So I would just show up every single day after school and wash dishes and sweep and stand there and, and she would teach me, you know, but I, I didn't get paid and there was no opportunity for me to be paid. I've never been paid an hourly rate from that salon ever. And I saw a need that she had and she didn't have a website. And I was like, let me build your website. And she was just like, um, okay, I'll give you a chance. This is the tool I will give you. And she gave me like a GoDaddy subscription and I built her whole website for her. And this is all unpaid. You know, I, I did not get paid at all. And but I you did, that- you, you did get paid, right? You got paid in experience. 100%. And I, and I think a lot of people, and maybe some people are listening, there's this huge conversation in the industry about, you know, my time is valuable. This is it. I, I need this, this, and this. But I've often done stuff totally unpaid, but my resume and my experience has grown in that. And I've felt like it's been paid, um, but it's tough. It is tough because people expect, people don't see the value in training. Yes. They don't see the value. They see it as entitlement. And honestly, like I wouldn't be where I am today if I didn't have the grit to like go get what I what wanted. You wanted. What and you I wanted would not, I would not be the person I am today if I didn't have to fight for what I wanted. And if I took no for an answer, to be honest. And I feel like that's lost in most people. I feel like in back in the day, right? I feel like about half of people had that grit. Today, I feel like it's like 10% of people Mm. actually have that grip because they're so conditioned to feel entitled to everything. And I feel like it's a huge disservice to yourself. Um, There were times where, and the other advice that my mom gave me or coaching rather, when I started building my business behind the chair after graduation, I was working at that same salon and I made no hourly rate. It was commission only. And I was like, I can't pay my bills. I can't do this. I can't do that. And my I wanted to say that that's very much an American experience that there's no hourly rate, it's commission only, which is great if you're busy, but if you're trying to build, it can be incredibly hard because there's no sick pay here. There's no holiday pay in that. You know, if you do two clients in a week, you've got half of two clients. If you're lucky, you get half. It is it is much harder to do that. But I also think, and this ties back into how I see you, right? That if you're determined, you will turn up at the beginning of the day and you'll stay all day because somebody might walk through, somebody might not be, might want an extra service. You pick up as you go along, but you have to really hustle. And there's no, there's no fallback and pillow of the hourly rate in there. And I think that makes a huge difference. I don't necessarily think it's for everybody, but for people like yourself and me, it certainly shaped me and made me better. Yeah. And I actually skipped a step. When I finished school, I worked in another salon and I got hourly or commission, whatever was greater. And I worked there for about a year and a half and it didn't end up working out. And Mm. I was 45 minutes from home and I built a very good clientele over there. And I ended up leaving and I took the last $600 I had in my bank account and I signed up for bartending school. 
And I went to bartending school. And when I started working at Jules, she gave me commission only. And then I was a bartender at night. So I worked like 10 to four and then I would bartend until one or two in the morning. And my hourly pay was a second job. You know, I really worked like 16 hour days to get the experience. So we have another thing in common because when I first went to London, I wasn't making much money at all. And I was very young and I worked in a gay bar in a nightclub serving beers and um that that was how i made extra money and i did that three nights a week until three in the morning and then went to work the next day and it was hard yeah i worked in fine dining as a bartender and i got some amazing i looked at it as like i'm gonna work in the nicest bar i possibly can and i'm gonna build my hair business from my second job and i did so clever so clever i did it worked and you know, I always looked good behind the bar. Cause like as a hairstylist, like we always like looked the part. Right. So I would come straight from work looking the part and I would always have something interesting with my hair and people would talk to me about it or ask me about it. And I would be like, I'm actually a hairstylist. Here's my card. And they would come mm-hmm. into the salon and that's how I built my hair business. Yeah. All before social media, we had to do it very differently, but I still believe that when if you're trying to build in an area, like I'm in DC, right? Go to events, um, go and mix, go and talk to people, go go to the places where you want your clientele. Yeah. And my mom, like I said, I was getting to it before, but like she gave me the best advice. Anytime I would complain about money or anytime I would complain about like not being where I wanted to be, she would be like, you need to go out and pound the effing pavement. Yes. And yeah. that advice, like I hear that. Like, if I don't have what I want, I'm not doing enough to get it. You know, like nobody's going to come hand it to me. Nobody's going to come like, be like, here, Gina, here are all your dreams. This doesn't work like that. So I worked really hard. I had flyers I put on cars. I went out and just talked to people. Anywhere I saw someone that I liked their hair, I would give them my card. Every restaurant, I would put my card in there and, and actually talk to the waitress. I'd be like, I'm a hairstylist. I love your hair, blah, blah, blah. And I would leave my card for her and some kind of incentive Mm. to come in. So pound the pavement, right? Mm. (laughs) Absolutely. I think you said something really cool in there too. Oh my God, there's loads of nuggets in here already. The, The whole idea about dreams, right? Everyone has dreams, but very few people have an action plan to go get those dreams. It's just dreams. And they're great. But if you want it to be a reality, you do have to work. Yeah, they say a dream without a plan is just a wish. Love it. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. So you've done that and you're working in this salon. You get yourself going. You've got a multitude of jobs. You're hustling. And I love a hustle, right? It's very much an American story, the hustle. And then what happens? How did you open a salon? How did you get to work with Ross? What's, what's that part of it? Well, a lot of things happen in between, right? So they say like the goal, when you get to the, you're never really at the goal. Like life is about the journey, right? Like life is about all of the things that happened to get to the goal. That's why you're, that's why you're asking me about them. Cause that's the important part of life. It's like, what happened? Like, what did you experience? What did you learn? Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I worked for seven different salons, some of them employment-based, some of them booth rental and before opening my salon. And I think people get like really like scared of jumping around if something's not working for them. I would stay at a salon for a month 
if it didn't work out, I'm like already looking for another place. If my clients didn't like it, or if my clients didn't like the vibe, which I worked with a lot of hairstylists, unfortunately, that did not care for me. And, um, that's fine. You know, I'm swiping my credit card swiper all day and you're sitting there, you know, on your phone, there's going to be that jealousy. And I was always as kind as I could ever be, but I did work in a lot of places where it just wasn't a great fit. So flashing forward to 2012, flashing forward to 2011, I ended up applying for business grants. I, I applied for all kinds of financial aid to help me like open my own business and everything got denied. And it was just like nonstop, like rejection. And I was like, maybe this just isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was in a relation. Yeah. Can I ask you, I mean, so much that what, so I'm of the school of thought and I have been in my life that you've kind of, if you're working at a salon that you don't like or that you're not sure of, or your clients are kind of like, ah, I always kind of think you've got to give it like 18 months. This is what I think. And that's kind of like been, I don't know where that came from. I think that that's probably something I learned a hundred years ago. I've been in the industry 40 years and here is a successful person, a very successful human being saying to me, if I don't like it after a month, I looked for something else. I mean, that is really ballsy. That's really tenacious. Where does, where did that come from? Um, being uncomfortable in like a negative way, like growth is from discomfort, right? So yes. Um, it's different than, you know, having to put in the work and give it a try. Like I've worked in a lot of salons where I was mistreated. Um, one of the salons I worked at, like I was literally not allowed to work regular hours. I was renting a chair two days a week and going to school. And then like, anytime I had to work like past nine o'clock, like if I had a transformation or something, the owner would come and stand there and stare at me until I was done. And he was a male and very creepy. And my Mm. clients were like, this is creepy. And I was like, I know. So I moved from there across the street and I was, I double booked, you know, so I double booked and I was always busy. And one of my clients was in the waiting room and she said, the owner is literally up there talking about you. And I was like, what did she say? And she's like, she said, you'll never make it because of how you book. And I was like, that is so weird that you have the balls to talk in front of my guests to me. And I was like, this isn't going to work. And then I moved to a different place. And I told the girl, I was like, I'm opening my own salon. I'm saving money. I'm not going to be here forever. I'm just looking for a place to do hair. And I worked in the salon and the artist behind me, his name was Mario. Oh my God, this guy, he was like 80 years old, still doing hair. Like, God bless him. Like, I really liked him, but he would talk like crap about me right next to me to his clients and being Mm. like, all she does is put tinfoil in people's hair. That's not being a real hairdresser, blah, 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 blah. And like, it was like weird. And then the owner made me actually rent three chairs. So I was because you were, you were doing three clients at a time, right? Yes. So I was like, this is not sustainable. It was almost just like God was pushing me into like, if he was pushing my urgency, I was like, I need my own place. So I ended up, uh, I ended up, I left school after a semester. I did not fit. I was like, I was like, you know what? I definitely don't want to go to school. I'm never going to wonder, should I have gone to school? I I went back and it was all because of a stupid relationship I was in where he wanted me to bring in benefits. And I was like, well, hair is not really working out that great. Maybe I'll do social work. 
it was like a stupid thing. And I feel like a lot of hairstylists do try something else. And then they realize they run back to the industry because they realize even if it's hard in the industry, at least they're doing what they love. Mm -hmm. So after that, I had just saved money in that three chair salon I was renting. I saved so much money. I didn't spend a penny. Right. And I, I just took all of my money. I had about 30 grand and I signed a lease in the salon. It was a terrible building, not a great location, second floor, needed a full build out. And I was like, you know what? What's the worst that could happen? I had enough money to do the original build out. It was very basic. And I put, uh, you know, seven grand on credit cards to buy the blow dryers that hang from the ceiling. I really wanted them. Right. And the rest of it was all DIY. And I ended up opening my salon in uh, September of 2012. And it was four chairs. And then by 2016, we expanded to 20 chairs. Wow. And then by 2019, I closed it right. because I started going into education in 2016. And I realized that being an employee-based salon owner, I, I have nothing but respect for them. But to me, my dream was to be an educator. But I love being a salon owner. I wanted to just find a different way to do it. And that's why I have the network, which we opened in 2019, which is all booth rental and an education space. So I really like over that time, I figured out exactly what I wanted and what I didn't want. And I tried to make something custom for me. And something that works for you as well. So education, I mean, the Network Salon, you host, I'm hoping to come there next year as well. You host events and stuff. You've got this big space, which is amazing. You're going to love it. I'm looking forward to it. How did you get into an interest in education? What was it that clicked for you in that? Training my assistants. Right. Uh, in my employee-based salon, I trained all of my assistants from beauty school. I only hired out of beauty school. So I would go to mm. beauty school. I would teach classes for free. And then I would have a bunch of little angels come up to me and be like, I want to work with you. And I'd be like, come apply, come interview. And we would do, uh, the assistants would be with me 40 hours a week behind the chair, getting their butts kicked. They were working. Like they, I gave them... I would say three years of hands-on experience in a year, mm. like the amount of people they touched working with me gave them such accelerated experience. And I taught them everything, everything. And while they're there, I had them start filming for me. And this is when Instagram first started, you know, we didn't, I was always on Facebook. I was doing Facebook live. <laughs> I did my first Facebook live this year. I've never done one before. And I, I did it for brands. And I'm like, what do you do? Yeah, I was. Oh my God. I yeah. was never afraid to go live or to post because I mean, what's the worst that could happen? <laughs> you know, I've had people, I've had people leave crazy comments and everything. And I just, yeah. I just like have the perspective, like, I love myself. I love my work. I love my business. And if somebody has something negative to say, they just don't love themselves to like, like just scroll by, you know, you don't yeah. have to, you know, you don't have to always speak your opinion, especially if it's unkind. So I really don't take what anybody says too personally. There are some things that might bother me for a minute, but like I can come right back and just be like, no, no. Mm the devil trying to take me away from my goal. Like, no, not going to let someone else's opinion deter me from no, my goal. I agree with you. It's just that it was a, it, it was a platform that I hadn't really used. And I was just like, wow, what, what button do you press? And I, I 
I go live and you occasionally get a troll, but you know, most of the time people are engaged and happy to be there. And I think the worst thing that can go wrong is that your connection gets lost and you have to say, oh, sorry, that isn't working today. I mean, that's the worst. 100%. So the way in which the English train is very different to the way the Americans train. And so English, you know, a lot of young people, they go to, they either, they assist in the salon at a young age. And uh, there are a lot of complaints about the fact that they don't learn anything. They're used as cleaning crew and and all of that. And I can totally understand that. How I trained back in the 80s is very different to how people want to train in the 21st century. And I love the fact that in America, you can go and get your paperwork finished in a year or 15 months or how many hours it takes in whatever state. But then when you come out, there's an opportunity to assist as a qualified hairdresser, because you can't just come out of beauty school. Well, you can come out of beauty school and go into a booth, but I think that it can be very lonely. And you come out only with a small skill set. So to have the opportunity to come with a dynamic hairdresser who really is like, right, this is how we do it. This is how I do it. And if you want to join me, you're going to do it with me. And to get those young people and bring them on and give them everything that you have. And I think that's the key to give them everything that you know. And also they bring this different thing with them like so you could clever get them to start filming they they're more comfortable with it they've got different ways of looking at it um I just think that's I think I love that way yeah so I I have a lot to say about this because as a salon owner I'm a booth rental salon owner my payroll budget does not include a paid assistant right it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't include a paid assistant for my booth rental budget now, when I was an employment-based salon owner, I could hire an assistant, but in order to make their payroll balance out, they have to do other stuff around the salon. I can't just pay you to learn. Um, right. And I think that one, that like, I don't owe you that. Like as a salon owner, it is a gift that I give to do that. It's not something that I owe somebody to pay them and train them and build them. Like that is earned. And a lot of people feel like they're entitled to it. And I understand I had that same mindset, but I also believe that in this day and age with booth rental becoming so much more mainstream, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of people hiring and there's not as many opportunities. And I'll give you a perfect example. At my salon in, at the network, I was looking for a front desk person, right? right. And Part of the front desk duties is opening, closing, cleaning the bathrooms at the end of the night, which takes 30 seconds, by the way. It's not a two-hour job. 30 seconds to take out the trash and wipe everything down. Um, opening, closing, checking people in, doing laundry, all just salon duties, right? It's just salon duties. And I had these two girls apply for it. And they said, I'll literally do anything to work here. And I was like, okay, we'll start here. And I watched them. And I see how interested they are, what they're doing on their downtime. You know, if they're on their break, what are they doing? Do they come in on their day off to practice doing hair? Like, what do they really do on their downtime? Let me stop you there. Let me ask you this. When you hire front desk or when you were hiring front desk, were the people coming wanting to be just front desk or were they hairdressers that wanted to work with you and wanted an opportunity to get in? Both. Both. They wanted a job that paid. Yeah. And I was like, the job that I have that pays is the front desk because you're going to be offering value to the salon. Um, if you want to assist, you can assist any day of the week that you want for free. 
you can come in and learn for free every day. Like if you want to work 30 hours behind the desk and assist. So what I'm saying is this, in my business model, my budget does not have paid student, Mm. you know, but the opportunity is there for the right person. So I had these two, I had, I had a lot of people go through this position and it's very different outcomes. I had one girl, she would assist me. She would film, she would edit. And then it became crazy for me not to pay her. I I would just Venmo her. I would just pay her, pay her, pay her, pay her. Anything she did, she was working. She got her salary at the desk. And then she started making it crazy for me not to pay her. She made herself indispensable to me. And it happened very quickly. And it, you have to just show what you can offer and make it crazy for someone not to like bring you under their wing. So she showed me really, really quickly. And then I had a, and then I had someone at the desk and this girl traveled the world with me. Right. And I gave her as many opportunities as I can. And now she's booth renting. And anytime I need her, uh, to shoot or whatever, I book her and pay her. So she has multiple revenue streams as a booth renter right now. And it's, she's been working with me since January of 2020. And I kept her employed during 2020, you know, so that was a huge thing. And then the next girl that came in, I was not hiring. I was like, I am not hiring. And she came in. She's like, I just want to assist you. She assisted me. She was filming. She sent me all these videos. I was like, oh God, it's happening again. I need her. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I ended up hiring her and she worked all through the salon. And then she started doing some hair. And then she started booth renting. And currently she's leaving behind the chair to be my brand manager full time. Amazing salary, amazing opportunities. And then you have another one who will start and they'll work there for two weeks and they'll complain that they have to clean the bathroom. And I'm just like, you're never going to have that opportunity because you won't even prove that you want to be here. And I think that there's sometimes where we might get an opportunity and it might not be perfect in the first five minutes, but that's when I say, like, like you said, um, Jack, give it 18 months, give it time, prove, Mm -hmm. prove that you want to be there, prove that you're crazy about this industry, add value. Don't just expect somebody to come to you and be like, let me show you everything I know so that you can leave within two years. That's just not realistic. It's not realistic at all. And I I agree with you. I still fold towels. If I'm not doing something and there's some towels that need folding, I fold them. I still, and I think people are kind of shocked when they see it, clean a toilet. I don't mind. Me too. I I don't want a client walking into a dirty toilet because that's a reflection on me, right? And so that that's called team. Um and I've had assistants who don't really want to be there and it's no good for me. And I've had other assistants who have given me blood, sweat and tears, filmed for me, gone on to win awards, going, doing really well, doing stuff. And they're the ones that have the passion and the joy and they work, they work above and beyond. And that's where what I love in the industry. I love those kinds of people, not the nine to fivers, basically. Yeah. And it's, you know what, it's just, we're not cut from the same cloth and you have the right as an owner, as a business owner, as an artist to choose who you work with. And Mm. if you're new in the industry, I always tell people like, you have to try, like you have to like really add value. And I think that newer artists need to develop other skills besides hair, like photography, 
video editing. These are very basic skills now that I honestly like wouldn't even hire someone if they didn't know how to use a TikTok or, you know, if you have like social media on your resume, you have a foot in the door. And it's an easy skill to learn on YouTube or Skillshare or something. And like, you will get so many more opportunities by having more to offer than just standing there waiting to be trained. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to bring something to the table. I agree. And people think I'm toxic for this. People think, you know, oh yeah, people give me so much crap about it. I posted something. I would never invest in someone who thought they were above cleaning a toilet. And I said that because I I responded to that. Yeah. I had a girl quit over it. I had a girl quit over it. And like, uh, she like posted this whole thing about it. And I was just like, you know, you're embarrassing yourself because if you don't, if you have a problem cleaning a toilet, you're never going to be a salon owner. No. Like as a salon owner, I do a lot of dirty work. And so I think people forget that the client experience, right? That's what brings people back. And it's a 360. It's from point of entry to some reception, to how the client, how the, the stylist greets them, to what happens at the shampoo bowl, but also the cup of coffee, the toilet, how the salon looks, the whole thing. It's not just what you do physically on their hair. They might love it, but there are things that put people off and think, well, actually I can go and get this done somewhere else and it's cleaner. And so that's why it's important that we all know that we can still clean a toilet. I can clean a toilet at home. I can clean one at work. And if it's really grossy, I can put some rubber gloves on. Yeah. And it's like, not like this takes more than like two minutes. You know, people, people act like it takes two hours out of the day and it's such a deprived, it's like, I'm so deprived or I'm so like, (laughs) whatever. And I'm just like, dude, grow up. If I go in the bathroom and it's gross, I'll spend two minutes in there cleaning and just make sure, you know what I mean? But I think that the other, the other thing to like, oh, there's so much I could talk about with this because you know, people will say, well, what does that have to do with my training doing hair? And I literally oh, it's a discipline. It's a I, discipline. I'm literally like, I want to tell them like, you're not going to be good at doing hair unless you practice on your day off. Mm-hmm. Like what you do at work is like 10% of what your success will be. Like come in on your day off and take models. Those models will become clients practice doing foils at home when you're sitting there watching TV built like all of the things like skill wise that comes with repetition. A paycheck comes from providing, like when I sign a paycheck, I'm paying for services. So like, it's really important that if you want to be great doing hair, it comes with the hours that you're actually practicing doing hair. Most of the time, you're not going to get all of those hours in your first year as a hairstylist. And if you do, you're going to be shampooing until your hands are bloody. Like if you want that kind of experience, that's one thing. But if you really want to be great at color, bust out a few doll heads every week, bust out a few models every week. That's going to get you that accelerated experience. It's not going to happen by mistake. That cupboard is full of doll heads, right? Because I'm always whipping one out thinking, how what, how's this placement going to be? And I celebrated 40 years in the industry this year. I mean, I'm a huge believer in that. So I, 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 lo- I love this. And I think this is probably what they're saying, this blunt and honesty is you deliver it, right? You deliver it straight up. There's no faff and there are no words filling the space. It's kind of like, this is the way I see it. Yeah, there, there's that. But you know what? As an educator and as a mentor, I can't tell you to do something that I haven't done. I can't tell you how to get to my goal or like what, or I can't tell you, if you say, I want to be here, 
and I've been there, I'm going to tell you exactly what I did. And if there are shortcuts, I will certainly tell you. Yeah. I will. What I did was not easy. So some people don't want to hear that. They want the shortcut, the easier, softer way. Right. And there's tons of educators teaching, skip the hard stuff, skip this. And, you know, those educators may be successful, but it's far fewer that get lucky. And there's many more amazing people. Like if you talk to a lot of amazing artists in the industry today who are really successful, they're going to tell you the exact same thing. It was blood, sweat, and tears. And you know what? The journey was worth it. And they have something to offer and something to teach and something to share. And they've been through something to help them get to where they are. Very rarely do people just get lucky. And it's super easy to go on Canva and create a bunch of content that says, skip this, do that. And it will, it's like business info for likes. It's not for results. Yes. I love that. You should turn that into some kind of business, business coaching for likes. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's so easy. It's so easy to like create content that will make someone feel like I can do this really easily. And then they do it and it doesn't work. And they're like, well, it must be me. (laughs) It's not you. (laughs) It's so easy to produce content that supports people's ways of thinking, but doesn't actually support them in their career. Because the way in which you operate has to change all the time and you have to develop and you have to grow. And there is loads of sweat and tears. I mean, I've had tons myself. There's a poem by Kavafi called The Road to Ithaca. And it's one of my favorite poems. And it it says that don't expect anything when you get to Ithaca, from Ithaca, because what she's given you is the journey. And it's the journey that's full of all these experiences and that you must enjoy the journey because that's it. That's the gift. And I love that poem. It's one of my favorites. My journey is the biggest gift that God has ever given me because you know, if we want to switch to talking about education, how I became an educator is by sharing my story. Yes. And my story is not easy, but that's okay. And, you know, it says like my blunt and comedic approach. I make fun of myself. I talk about my mistakes openly and I talk about the areas where I went really wrong and what I grew from. Mm -hmm. If I didn't, if I had an easy journey, I wouldn't have anything to say. And you have to, I think, the authenticity of talking about what I always talk about, what works for me, what's gone wrong for me, not what you have to do, my experience. And that's what people come to the classes because they, they're not being told they have to do it this way. It's just like, this is what works for me. Take from this what you want and do with it what you want. But that's all, that's all I can share with you. And that's a lot to share. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I feel like being an educator, like, they say that people don't pay for information. They pay for transformation. You know, you, if you want to be an educator, what you should teach is your transformation, Mm -hmm. whatever your transformation is. You know, I went from X to Y to Z and this is how I did it. And Though there's so many people who want your transformation, you just need to find them and you need to talk about stuff that you actually have experienced because it will be more authentic naturally because you already went through it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And you can own you can own the conversation because it's yours. Now, there's a lot. Rosk, edu- educator, hair color educator for Rosk. And so of yes. course you work with you work with Matt. I love him. Oh, I know he's fabulous. He's been on here too as well. Oh, so he's the best. 
Yeah, he's amazing, right? And he's talk about transformations. He's done some physical transformations of himself recently. He looks fantastic. Yeah, he does. He's amazing. I love working with Matt. He's a really good mentor for me, like a really good mentor for me. And um, we're both Sicilian, so this is good. Yeah. <laughs> but no, um, working with Ross Cap and like super by accident. Um, I I was working with a bunch of different brands over the years. I've worked with so many brands. Like I think we yes. have amazing product all around. Like all these brands are amazing. The product is incredible, and I've worked with a lot of great brands and. Um, I think for me, it's really down to something that fits my aesthetic, like that fits like my mission. And my mission has always been to elevate the beauty industry. And I got an opportunity to work with Rusk and the opportunity was, uh, I, I originally wanted, I love their lightener. So I originally wanted them to sponsor my classes and I ended up talking with the CEO, Scott Massad, and he's like, we don't want you for that. We want you to be a part of our actual culture and brand. And I was like, oh, like, tell we, me about we want all of you. We want all of you. Yeah. We don't just want, yeah. I was like, I don't know if I have time for this, but let me know what you want me to do. And he's like, I want you to come in and I want you to use all of our product. And if you don't love it, I want you to leave. <laughs> he's like, I don't want you to represent it unless you absolutely love it. So I went in there and I did like tons of models and I used everything. And I was like, yeah, this is great. This is great. And I'm a colorist. So I know how to use color. Like I know color is color. I can switch color lines whenever. Um, but I need to like educate myself on it, right. To know how, how to create what I normally create. And I ended up doing like a day with them and I loved everything. And what I loved the most was the team there. Like everybody, their their whole mission is to elevate the beauty industry. They just want to help people be better um, from their technical content to the business content to the whole like mood behind everything. I was like, I definitely feel comfortable here. And I feel like I feel like I'll be taken seriously here because I'm so serious about helping hairstylists and so are they. So, and then working with Matt was a huge part of it because him and I are definitely cut from the same cloth. Right. Like, and I was like, I'm going to do, I'm going to go for this. I don't know how much time it's going to take, but I was able to get something that worked really well for my schedule. Cause I'm traveling and teaching all the time. Like I'm an educator first. Nothing is going to take that. Nothing you, is going to come before that. Your 2023 schedule looks absolutely crazy already. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just the first four months of the year. Yes. Yeah. It's, it looks so. great. I mean, I, I admire that. So I think that it I think that working with a brand, I I like working with one brand, but I do think that it has to fit your taste level and who you are as an educator and who you want to be too. And the other piece of it I that I think is really important is that it can be incredibly lonely as an educator. And when a brand is with you and there's a great team behind you everyone is is everyone is cheering everyone else on because each person behind it's we might be the face of a brand but behind that there's a whole ton of people working really really hard trying to put it all together and that camaraderie and that sort of same mission goal I think is incredibly important and really lovely when you find it yeah it really is um I think that the most important thing for me the reason why I work with a brand is to provide more free education to hairstylists. 
Like I love that brands put so much effort behind education and the shows Mm -hmm. and like all of those things. So I like to have as many resources as possible. Like maybe someone can't afford to come to my class, but there's other education I can give them. That's why I do a lot on my podcast, my YouTube channel, like all of those things. I have so much free education. Yeah. Um, and I try to give an option for everybody. So the brand work is really great to offer more resources to hairstylists. So it's it's just amazing. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it. Now, before we go, um, I think we've been on for 50, 50 minutes. We've been chatting really? away. And I feel I feel like I need part two um already, right? So I mean, so get ready for the next request. It's covered so much, but the yoga piece. Yeah, the the yoga network, network yoga. And you actually do that live, right? You have people all join in online. Well, no, we actually do it in person right now, but I am going to be doing some online stuff. I am going to be doing some online stuff. I am so freaking busy. I am trying so hard to do everything, but I, I sometimes have to go one thing at a time to make sure it's like quality. But the yoga studio, we're open in Southington, Connecticut. It's in the salon. So when you walk into the salon, the yoga studio is a part of the salon. Right. And uh, we do 25 classes a week. We do yoga, bar, kickboxing, uh Zumba, we have all kinds of fitness, but we have 25 classes a week. We have the best prices ever because we want to make yoga accessible to everybody. And the studio has been open for a year and it's doing so well, like so amazing. But we will have an online membership available soon. Let me just tell you about yoga, right? So yoga, I always feel like when I go to a, a yoga class that I'm, I mean, I'm six foot three, I'm massive. And I always feel like there are like millions of blonde five foot three women that can stick their heads between the legs. And there's me struggling in the back somewhere. But I made I had a, a leg, slight leg injury this year. I, it was got really, really tight. And the hip was killing me. And I'm like, oh, my God, this is old age. And somebody said, get some yoga doing. So I went and getting into pigeon was just like, in, to begin with, it was impossible. But I persevered and I can do it. And I couldn't breathe properly and, and all of that. But, oh, my God. Talk about, I mean, I know that my leg work's important for my back, for standing in the salon, but yoga just made, why did I not know this? It made my life so much easier. And I think exercise and well-being really helped me be a better educator, hairdresser and all that stuff. But yoga is just like, I mean, I'm, I must be really late to the party, but it's I just find it fascinating. It's amazing. So yoga, the definition of yoga, yoga is now. So yoga is all about being in the present moment. And one of the tools we use in yoga to be in the present movement is asana, which is connecting our breath to our movement. So connecting your breath to your movement puts you in the present moment. And that's the definition of yoga. Yoga is now. So when you go to a yoga class for an hour, especially in my classes and at my studio, it is not about flexibility. We do not ever push someone to be more flexible than they are. And we very, we honestly don't promote stretching and flexibility. We promote strength, stability, and mobility. Because yes, mobility. Yeah. It's so important. And just because you can't put yourself into a pretzel does not mean that you would not love a yoga class. It might be hard for you, though, because you're not used to now. You're used to yes. what's going on tomorrow. What's going on after this? What did I do today? What happened and, yesterday? 
me being sort of Peter Perfect and wanting to get it right the first time is always my struggle in everything else. So why wouldn't that be my struggle in, in yoga? But what I found with it, and one of the biggest benefits has been for me, and is the fact that I can clear my head. And that suddenly, because you're saying it's in the now, right? And that suddenly all that stuff just disappears and the focus is just on that. And I leave feeling so much more relaxed. It's amazing. Yeah, we're built for that. We are built to, <clears throat> we, are, we are not built for the crazy life full of notifications. I'm anti-notification, by the way. I don't have any notifications on it. I don't. I don't either. I'm I turned all mine off about three, four years ago. I turned them all off and it's been the best yes. thing I've ever done. I get to it when I do. Yeah, but we're not built, we're not built for that. And yoga just gives you that now. So thank you. Thank you. Listen, I am so glad that you invited us into your bedroom today. <laughs> oh my God. I didn't know it was going to be video, but this is my quiet. This is the most quiet place in my house right now. So I was like, I'm just going to go in here. So everyone welcome to my bedroom. <laughs> I might start setting up my podcast from Jack, Jack in bed. And I love like it. A breakfast thing. But thank you so much for bringing so great a conversation to the table today. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better. And I definitely think later on in the year, I'm going to ask you back for part two because there's just so much. Well, I have to have you on my podcast. So I'm going to send you an invite and we'll do an episode on mine too. I love that. I love that. Because now I need to hear your whole story. Oh my goodness. Well, you might need two episodes or three. But thanks again for coming so much. And um, just really great conversation. I, lo I love the go-get attitude that, and the make-it-happen attitude that you have. I really admire that. So thanks again. Yeah, it's my pleasure. And you know, anybody listening, just know I say everything with uh, out of love and respect. And I, I, I just, I want people to be successful in their own way, whatever their dreams may be. And the only, the only thing I have to say is what I did and my mistakes. And I hope that this episode benefited you in some way. And I hope to meet you in one of my classes. I hope you listen to my podcast. And I hope to see you someday, maybe even in my mastermind group. So thank you all for listening. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jack for having me and I hope you all have an amazing day thank you so much though I hope you enjoyed this podcast as much as I did making it for you don't forget to subscribe on your channel that you download your podcast from iTunes is my favorite but I know there are others out there and also if you want to follow me on stories on Instagram it's Jack Howard Color c-o-l-o-r the American way not the English way and on Facebook it's Jack Howard Color c-o-l-o-r and my website is www.jackhowardcolor.com.